I think it's a it's a good thing that God is moving. I mean, we have Susan that was that had a praise report that her back was healed. So can we thank God for that? That is that is huge, right? We have Rocky that had a successful surgery, right? A high risk successful surgery. We had Marie that that had a successful surgery. I mean, you know, God has the ability, obviously, to heal. But all healing comes through God, whether it's through a doctor Amen. or whether it's through his mighty hand. Amen. You know, I mean, we don't forsake doctors, you know, because you live long enough, you're going to need, well, I'm seeing about 10 of them. So like 10 or, 10 or 12 of them. I mean, I, my grandpa, I remember him, he, he needed lots of doctors. Just, I'm talking about for, for medicines and different things because, you know, they have to tweak things. But we're just thankful for all kinds of medicine. We're just thankful for his healing hand. And I'm thankful that your, your spine is healed because that's, that sounded very painful. And that's a place that nobody wants to have a fracture in. So, no, let's just thank the Lord for what he's doing. You know, and we're continuing to pray for Lyle and his health as well. He's, he's doing good. Mm -hmm. I just want to still pray for uh, Turkey. Let's just, you know, because they're finding more and more people that have. Are dead. I think it was up to thirty-three thousand people. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, you had a picture of a man holding his daughter's hand. She was underneath the rubble, and he's holding it until she passed away. I mean, we can't even imagine the horror. I mean, Lord, just it's it's worse. I don't know if you remember about ten years ago, Japan had one uh, earthquake, and it was it, it created a huge tsunami that went up about four hundred miles of their coast. And it killed a bunch of people. So this this is a this will take years for them to recover from it. And if they they said they called off all the searches as of I believe yesterday or today because seven days. But we have it really good in here. I mean, good in the U.S. People are going to jail for their faith in other countries. You know, we have we have we've had a season in this country. I mean, most of us our whole lives of just freedom. We've been able to say whatever it is we want to say. We've been able to preach the gospel how we want to preach the gospel. But you can see things are trying to restrict us now. I mean, if, you, if you've been watching, if you've been paying attention, you can see how freedom of speech is under attack. You know, if you don't have a, a country with freedom of speech, then you don't have a country. Freedom of speech, the Lord is the bedrock, but then freedom of speech follows that. You know, we just got to really thank the Lord for all the things he's given us here. And not become numb to the fact that a lot of us are from different places, right? And you know exactly. You've been over all over the world, many of you. You know, to different parts of Asia and Middle East. You know exactly what we're saying. So thank, thank the Lord for, for the generosity, the, the liberty that he's shown the U.S. And we pray that it's for generations to come. You know, if you've been paying attention also, there's been a couple revivals that have sprung up across the country. Um, Asbury, Kentucky, it's a Christian college. They've been having a revival. Revival, I'm talking like for out, for days now. And then you had it spark to Lee University. So Lee University, a church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee, they're having it as well. Brian Cutshaw, he was a pastor he posted that he was, went there and just sat there for hours. He had to leave. But it, it was just, God is moving. And when it when it looks like he's not, he's moving even more. 
And we, we need to understand it's not by not by sight, right? None of this walk that we're doing is, is by is by sight. We don't fight against people we see. We fight against principalities and powers. And just different things. So I, I'm believing for revival. I'm believing for God to do a mighty thing in this generation. I'm not writing off this generation. It's an exciting time to be a Christian in this generation. It's an exciting time to preach the gospel in this generation. I'm believing for God to move mightily. In order for that to happen, how, how many uh, how many here know that you know as Christians we should we should want the anointing? The anointing is what we're after, right? The, the Holy Spirit gives the anointing to, to push his agenda in the earth, make Jesus known. But it starts with the anointing. The, the Christians should have the anointing a part of their life. The anointing is going to change us. But the, you know, salvation is free. We come to Jesus, it's a free gift, but the anointing is not free. The anointing requires something from you. It requires everything from you. It'll cost you everything. But we see a lot of American Christians get saved and then that's it. They come up, they come up and they confess Christ, they confess Jesus, but nothing's different in their lives or, the, or there's no change. And, and then they continue to live as if nothing happened. Or some people come up and confess and then something happens and then they're on fire for a little bit and then something fizzes off and then life just comes and takes them away. I'm convinced that any time that the anointing's involved, you have to do things for God. God's not going to give you an anointing to hold it in or afford it. He's not going to give it to you. He's not going to give it to people that never do anything for God. You see, you, you talk to a lot of Christians, and, and then we have a lot of excuses, all of us, about why we don't do things for the Lord. About, you know, I'm just too busy, I have this going on, I have this going on. We sound a lot like the people in Luke chapter 14 that when they're invited to the banquet. You know, if you think about it, a lot of their explanations, right, are good. God, God invited them. Um, one of them said, I bought some land and must go see it. Another said, I bought five yoke of ox and I need to go test them. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. That was the most logical one I heard. I married a wife and I could not come. I'm sure he, was, he wasn't allowed to go. But these are all logical things. They sound good, but they missed the banquet. They missed what God had for them. It would have been better than anything that they were doing, just like a lot of us. We get saved, and then we make every excuse on why we're not doing things for God. God only gives the anointing to people doing His work. A lot of times you feel an anointing in church, but it's nothing like the anointing you feel when you're out ministering to the lost on the street or at a shelter. Have you, does anybody know what I'm talking about? You feel the anointing. Christians will say, I go to minister, I, I, I read my Bible, I was, going to, I was going to read my Bible, I was going to go minister, I was going to go witness to somebody, but I had to work and now I'm tired. God won't wait on us. A lot of times he will show you the way that you should be walking and in your calling, but if we don't move, 
Within his will, he will call somebody else. He will choose somebody else. He'll pass us by. This is why it's so important to walk in the Lord's will. What God saves, he, he cleanses. What he cleanses, he sets apart. And what he sets apart, he anoints. There are not many different anointings. You don't have the anointing of healing, then deliverance, then salvation. There is one anointing by the same Spirit to do many different things, just like there's one Spirit. It's whatever the Lord wants to accomplish in that moment. The anointing is always used for one purpose, and it's to expand God's kingdom. If we are not, if, if, if all of us, if call ourselves Christians, are not expanding God's kingdom, you don't need the anointing. 1 John 2, 26 and 27 says, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will also abide in him. So how do you get the anointing? You get it by living righteous, living righteously, and then you remain in Him. And then, in turn, you advance His kingdom. Everything in this life is a choice. I can choose um, where I work. I can choose to go to church or not. I can choose who I date. If I don't date, I can choose to walk away from the faith. I can choose to talk about people. I can choose to show love and kindness. I can choose to abide in Christ or I can I cannot. The word wouldn't continually tell us to abide if we didn't have to. Everything's a choice. I can I can uh, choose to be whatever I want to be. You can fill in the blank. Yes, the Lord draws people, but you have the choice to say no. You can be anointed and lose your anointing by the choices you make. Think of this logically. Satan was in heaven hanging out with God for who, who knows how long. And he had a choice to turn away. He was anointed. We know that. Ezekiel 28, 14 and 15 says, You are the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. You are on the holy mountain of God. You walk back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. It says you were anointed. You were perfect in all your ways until iniquity was found in you. We know about Saul. It said he was anointed. But God gave him instructions to wipe out all the Amalekites. He had a choice. We, he, he could have obeyed God or he, or he didn't have to, but it stripped him of the kingdom. We know that the kingdom of Israel was supposed to come through Saul. But because of disobedience, God had a backup plan. Right? You can have the greatest call on your life, but if you don't remain in Christ, it doesn't matter. You could say, I'm going to lead 50 million people to Christ. You're, you could have somebody prophesy that over you. And if you don't remain in Christ, it will never come to pass. Saul had a choice. 
And he disregarded what Samuel said. He lost the anointing. The kingdom was ripped from his bloodline. We know Samson was anointed. We know that. We know that he was told to never cut his hair. That's where his strength was. Samson had a choice. He didn't have to tell Delilah about the source of his power. And if you read the story, he told her like seven things, and she tried all seven things. I don't have any idea why he told her the real thing. He knew she was going to try it. He had to have known. She tried everything he told her that was a lie. Samson had a choice. We have a choice. Saul had a choice. He didn't have to tell her, but he did. And this is the sad part. Judges 16.20 says, And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. That's the thing. First of all, it doesn't matter who's preaching. If the anointing's there, it's not because you're good. It's because the Lord wants to anoint you. The Holy Spirit wants to wants to be here and wants to do something in other people's lives. It's not because you're continually good or, you know, or you're just the best person ever. What, I, what I've seen is God can move with or without anybody preaching. He can move with or without music. God doesn't need any of us. He spoke through a donkey. God can save who he wants to save when he wants to save it, but he does do it through people. But the sad part is he didn't, he, he didn't even know the Lord had departed from him. And that's the, that's the deception. That's the mind game. Because you get a little bit of sin, oh, and you do your Bible thing, and then all of a sudden the anointing's flowing, and you're thinking, oh, I could, I, could, I could do a little bit of sin. The anointing's still flowing, or God's still moving. And that's not how it works. The motives, like if you need to examine every motive. You need to examine why you're doing things, because we all know that you can do a lot of things that appear to be good but have the wrong motive. But for God to depart from him when he walked faithfully, or when he walked close to God, I should say, for all those years, and he would have known when the Spirit of God, but when the Spirit of God did not come upon him, how helpless he felt. Judas was anointed. Judas was anointed when, the, when they were sent out two by two to cast out demons. His heart changed when he was still in money. And because of this, he betrayed Jesus. See, the door only has to be open that far for the enemy to get in. It doesn't have to be wide open. He was anointed. And because of the way, way his heart was with money, he betrayed Jesus. That little stealing. Maybe it only took a couple times. You don't know. It doesn't say. But maybe it, whatever it was, it left his heart open. To betray the Son of God. We do understand that he had a choice, right? He didn't have to do what he did. His heart was turned by his lifestyle. 
You know what? I think he, you know he he immediately knew it, right? He went and hung himself. He would have seen everything, all the eyes opened, all the leopards healed. He would have heard all the stories from all the apostles when they all came back. He had a choice. This is why the Bible says we must guard ourselves. Because when God gives us something as precious as his spirit and the anointing, we're not to take it lightly because you're marked. God should be the main influence behind everything we do. As Christians, we are called to host the presence and the anointing of God. That is how we defeat the enemy. When Samson no longer had the anointing, what happened? He was taken captive. Just like us today spiritually. When we don't walk like we should, we don't guard our hearts, we don't, do what, we don't do what God's telling us to do, we lose the anointing and we go into captivity. Nobody here, nobody anywhere has to go into captivity. But the anointing is so special. That's why you ever see somebody that had a platform one time that was mighty in the Lord and then something happens and they fall? And then they never quite get back to where they were. Have you seen that? Because they didn't value the anointing. Now I know, listen, I, I, I forgive Jimmy Swagger. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to pinpoint him, but if you knew him before that stuff happened, it was crazy. It was He was filling up stadiums in, in Latin America, all over the world, and I... You know, I, I still think he has an anointing, but it never was the same. You know, I believe he's forgiven. I believe all that. But it just never was the same. So when God marks you, when God sets you apart, when God really says, this is what I want you to do, walk in it, walk in it. Don't play with it. Because once you're marked and once the anointing comes in, the enemy's going to come and immediately try to take the anointing like he does the word once it's sown. But it's such it's so precious when God sets you apart for a specific purpose. And then sometimes if we don't stay grounded, we think it's us, and it's never us. It'll never be me. I don't care if five million people come at one time, it'll never be me. It's God's choice to speak through me if he, just, if he so chooses. And if he, if he doesn't or if it doesn't feel a certain way when I preach, it doesn't matter. I rely on him. It doesn't have to feel a certain way. But when you lose the anointing like Samson, like Judas, it does one thing. It the enemy takes you captive. But the enemy can't do it while you have the anointing. That's why it's, 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 it's imperative that you guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Sometimes we don't even know the Lord has departed from us. Saul would have had someone on the throne forever if he would have had obeyed God. If Solomon would have listened to God, and his father David gave him specific instructions. The, you know, the kingdom will always come through you. 
If, if, there was a prerequisite, if you obey, if Solomon would have listened to God, he would have still had a person on the throne, but the kingdom was ripped from him because of his disobedience. Solomon was wise, but didn't take his own advice. God told him not to take camels and wives from Egypt. Because he said it would turn. God even told him what it would do to him. It'll turn your heart away from me. And he did it. And then by the end, uh, by the end, he's sacrificing his own children to false gods and building up building up altars to false gods when he had known the real God who made him successful. He lost the anointing. He lost the mark. God pulled his hand back, and God always has a backup plan. Saul had a prerequisite, or Solomon had a prerequisite. He didn't take his own advice. He lost the anointing. Jesus said this in Luke 4, 18. You know, I wanted to leave more time tonight just to pray because I was feeling some things today and I was just like, we, we need prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. The Lord wants to break things off of people. The Lord wants to set people free. We say where the Lord is, there is liberty, right? Where the anointing is, there's freedom. I can give you tons and tons of examples of, of, of prophets that lost the anointing. And, when it, and, and then it was over for them. Like I always say, we get one chance, and it's such a sweet thing. If you really were saved, if you really were, were set apart, you understand what I, what I mean. And it, this is not a game. And I say these things, and I preach like this, because God puts these heavy things on my heart. I want to come in here and say everybody's going to be blessed. I want to say these things. But you know, when I start thinking about the new covenant with grace, do you know what? It, from the old law to the new covenant, Jesus upped it because before, if they just were doing adultery and a physical act, they were they were sinning. But Jesus came and said, "Oh, if you even look at that woman to lust after her, you've done the very thing." So, if anything, grace requires more of us because the law was a bunch of rituals. Jesus upped it, and said, "No, it's about your heart. If you clean the inside of the glass." The outside will be clean also. It's not about just not drinking. It's not about just not watching things you shouldn't watch. It's why are you doing those things? Is it because I was taught to do them? Or no, because I know the living Savior. And I have a relationship with Him. And then in turn, I don't want to do these things. Every Christian, right? We should be out here... Preaching to people. We should be out here every chance. You know, servers, whoever you're talking to, they should be able to tell there's something different about you by the way you act towards them. The pet store person, whoever's ringing you out, you're carrying the anointing. We, we literally have the keys to life. Do we understand that? We have the keys to life. Some people are so broken and they're looking... And then you're the answer. 
your next door neighbor, Lord, touch, touch my neighbor, tell them about you. Well, go tell them. Lord, witness to my family. Lord, open their, you go tell them. It doesn't always have to be so hard. Hey, let me buy you a cup of coffee and, and share my faith with you, share my testimony with you. You're doing that. I'm telling you, when you pray for people at homeless shelters, when you pray for people, it's just different than in a church. God gives you that to give it to others and to break things off of them. You do it more. It might sound weird at first talking to somebody. You, God will give you the things to say. But Jesus said this in Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because why? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. This is what God has done and always will use the anointing for. To preach the gospel, heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, which is freedom, to the captives, to heal the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That is why God gives us the anointing. For freedom and life. It's to destroy the works of the devil. We can't destroy the works of the devil unless we have the anointing. It's why Jesus said the Spirit gave him the anointing. To use for his kingdom. And we are in turn supposed to be doing everything that Jesus is doing. Preaching to the poor. Preaching to anyone. But you know, if you just go up to people naturally and just talk to them, they're willing to tell you their problems. Mm -hmm. You know that too. You can ask somebody, if you ask somebody, how are you doing? And not just saying, just so they say, okay, or good. You know, before I was even a Christian, somebody would go, how are you doing? I'd say, terrible. And nobody would even care. It just, it's just so, we're just so programmed. But if you really mean it, hey, how are you doing today? I hope you're having a good day. And you just come from just being a normal person, not expecting a, 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 just a, I'm doing great. Because most people aren't doing great. You know, just being nice, smiling somebody. Hey, I like your shirt. You know, I ordered on the app through Publix just some lunch meat or something, a sub. Walk in there, and it wasn't ready. And I said, oh, it's okay. And the woman was like, really? Most people would freak out said, well, it's not that big of a deal. I can go run around the store and get some other things. It's sad that that's, that's how low the bar is. To be nice to somebody. To love on people. You know, if you start sharing your faith just to people, might be weird just like raising your hands were at first. When I first started coming to church, I'm like, I'm not raising my hands. It felt weird. But a couple years later, a couple times later, I'm raising my hand, shouting, doing all kinds of things, right? Same way with talking to people. You'll, you'll get the flow of it down. It might be weird the first time, but you're trying. 
And if you're listening and you're going in it with a pure heart, Lord, tell me about this person. Lord, open the door. If they don't know you, help me. He'll give you the anointing for that because it's his will that we're doing these things. And, you know, I went down to the homeless shelter the past couple of weeks, like three weeks, with Pete Pam. And just to be able to pray with people, it's changed, it's, it's, it's changed me. And I don't say that because I'm like, oh, you guys have all went there, most, most of you. When you pray with people that just want prayer and they don't have anything, and you're, and you're there as an as a example of God, it, it just, it's just different. So that's what we're to do. We're, we're, to, we're to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this generation. We're to get as close to the, to the Lord as we possibly can. He's coming soon. Does anybody know that? Every time you turn on the TV, you should be like, Lord, I know you're coming soon because the things we're hearing are getting crazier and crazier. And I always wonder, I'm like, the next day, how can it get in? It gets crazier the next day. And I'm going, does anybody even know? But no, you're starting to see, you know, you can get into a place where God's not moving anymore. God's not really, all oh, the world, darkness is over. Stop that too. Because Elijah, prophet, thought he was the only one that didn't bow to Baal. And God goes, no, I've reserved 7,000 other people. So don't think God's only working in, in, in certain little places. No, the, the, Lord, the Lord is moving. But we can have a tendency to only see the darkness. And then we're too tired to pray. We're too tired to read our word. But, we, you know, we can, I'm guilty of this. We can sit and watch a three-hour football game and no problem. It's just, what are we, you know, what are we doing as a, as a body to reach the lost? Praying with people. You should have seen it. Funny enough, people were crying. We were there late, right? Just praying for people. And it was impacting. People were coming up going, I'm homeless. I have five kids that are homeless. This woman was saying this. I need, I need them to have a place. I need a place. And I can't save any money because I need to help them. And you have some people that you would never even know that were homeless. But they're, they're feeling love and, and they, they know, they come expecting the Lord to move. Some of them. Some of them don't. Some of them don't even know what we're doing, of course, just like anything else. But that's the gospel, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed. We have enough people oppressed in the church at large. God wants to set everybody 100% free. I believe that. Until the Lord tells me different, I'm going to believe that everybody should walk in total freedom, and I'm going to believe for everybody to be healed 100% all the time. But God doesn't just give the anointing. We can't be spiritually lazy. We can't say the right things, do the right things. The heart has to match the action. The, the mouth has to match the heart. And when I'm out there all alone, that's when that's when the time to shine is even greater than it is right here. 
I have to be the same person. God won't use me. God won't honor it. Actually, I'll probably be a pretty miserable person if I'm a different person out there than I am here. And that's just me talking from my own personal experiences. I don't look. I don't want to do this for show. I don't. I don't need a title. I really don't. I don't. I'm not saying that. I'm just. I want the Lord to move. We've had nothing happen in the last 25 years in this country that has moved our nation closer to the Lord. Actually, in the last 25 years, I've seen how much quicker it's it's gotten worse. But I was telling you on Sunday, Psalm 63 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him. While the mouth of liars will be silenced. But the whole point of this verse is just, just how David is saying, God, my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. That's, that's how we get the move of God. That's how you get the anointing. And when we're wrong, we're wrong. We move on from it. Everybody's wrong from time to time. God wants to move in this place. God wants to move in each and everybody's life here. God wants to use you. God wants to mark you. God wants to sanctify you, set you apart, and anoint you for his purpose in this earth. This is a great time to be alive. When we read the book of Acts, do we understand that? We should be doing that today. But we have mixed feelings on people thinking that gifts aren't for today, gifts are for today. Things like that. Look, let me tell you, I came from a Baptist background and a Na Nazarene background. My sister went to a Nazarene Christian school until eighth grade. But I didn't get any, I mean, I didn't get what I was looking for. And, I, and then when I met the, the Holy Spirit, my life changed. And it took a while Look, it takes a while to get untangled from the world unless God does it immediately. He does deliver some people right away. But sometimes he, he wants you to know what you're being set free from so that things take a little longer. So that way you don't turn around and go right back into it. you got to know, hey, I need to be free from this and then get freed from it. And then you don't stop until you get free from it. Why? Because it's trying to take you into captivity. It's trying to steal your anointing. It's trying to steal your future. Samson would have had a great future if he didn't tell her about his hair and, and wouldn't took his anointing. 
But the thing is, is if we're doing things we know we ought not to be doing, the Lord will depart from us. And that's even more scary than any, anything else. But let's just stand this. That's pretty much all I have. And I'm going to if, if play this song. It's called Psalm 63. And it's just about getting closer to him. And, it, and it's about his, his will. And then we can pray. Anybody that wants prayer, we can lay hands on you and pray. God, you're my God. And earnestly I see.